Episode number 87. They glimpsed Hashem's relationship with the creation itself firsthand. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. This week, we're going to have the Torah portion, Beshalach, how faith leads to belief, total trust. We're going to have a powerful parable about the fancy dishes, a great story about Rav Shach, and peace in your home, maintaining ties to B'nai Torah, to people who learn Torah. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So the verses start out like this. What's happened here, you have a verse, chapter Yudao, chapter 14, verse number 13. This is when B'nai Yisrael are running away from its rhyme, and they reach the Yam. They reach the ocean. And Moses says to the people, Do not fear, stand fast, and see the salvation of Hashem, that He will perform wonders for you today. For that which you have seen in Egypt, today you shall never see them again. Hashem will do battle for you, and you shall remain silent. Hashem said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Speak to the children of Israel and let them journey. And you, lift up your staff, and stretch out your arm over the sea, and split it. And the children of Israel came into the midst of the sea on dry land. And behold, I shall strengthen the heart of Egypt, and they will come after them. And it will be glorified through Pharaoh, and through his entire army, through his chariots, and through his horsemen. Egypt will know that I am Hashem, when I am glorified through Pharaoh, and his chariots, and his horsemen. So what happened is the Jewish people came to the Yam, they came to Kriyas Yamsuf. And they were scared. And Hashem said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Moses also started to pray. Rashi explains that Moses was praying for too long. He Hashem said to him, speak to the children of Israel and let them journey. If you look in the Midrash, they're really stuck. The Midrash says the army was behind them. The army is coming after them. The entire Egyptian army with their chariots are coming from behind. To the sides, there was wild animals. That's what the Midrash says. They looked up to heaven and they saw the angel of the Egyptians coming to protect the Egyptians. And in front of them was the Yam. So where were they supposed to go? And that's exactly what the Orachim says. He asks, what is God's answer? Speak to the children of Israel so that they should move on. What is that supposed to mean? Where were they supposed to go? They couldn't go behind to go into the ocean? They're just supposed to walk into the ocean? So he answers, we have a tradition based on Deuteronomy that says, you have weakened the rock which have begot you. That God's respective attributes are strengthened or weakened in accordance with the deeds that we do or that we don't do here on earth. Hashem was saying to Moshe, tell them to go forward so that I can activate my attribute of mercy and perform a miracle that I have in mind. And he said to Moses, why you cry to me? Because the matter is not in my hands. The Jewish people themselves have to go forward. If they don't go forward, I'm not going to be able to use my attribute of mercy. It's Keilu, obviously. Hashem could do whatever he wants. But that's the way he built the world. He built the world that if the Jewish people do the right thing, so then his energies can come down and save him. 
So he was telling Moses to go tell the Jewish people to go forward. And the Rabbeinu Bachi explains like this. They only needed to demonstrate a little faith by moving forward. They are to journey from below to above, and the sea will part as a result. They were to call on the reserves of faith and elevate themselves to the level of Hashem. In other words, if they would have had more faith, then the sea would have split by itself. And that's exactly what happened. Because they had the faith and they went forward, and, and Moses told them to go forward. So they, they went forward and the sea split. What is because of their faith? And what does Rav Shimshai Ofer say? The first step must be taken by them. They must first show themselves deserving salvation, demonstrating their trust in God, a trust that leads to courage and fearless action. First let them go forward and march to the sea, without reservation or concern. Only then will God pave the way to salvation. It's only once they go forward that God's going to step in. Rav Shimshai first says the same thing. So really, if we have faith, when we're stuck, when we're in a situation that's very difficult, if we have faith, then Hashem will help us. And you got to hear this. This is Rav Chaim Shmuel Levitch. You got to hear this. He says like this. Each one was saying, I'm not going first. Each tribe was saying, I don't want to go first. I don't want to go first. What happened? Nakshon ben Amidav. Nakshon jumped forward and he went into the Yam. Because of that, he was Zoche, he had the merit to bring the first Korban. Why? It says, The one who is Makadesh, the name of God, at the Yam, he's going to be the first one to bring the Korban, to bring the sacrifice at the Mishkan. So Rav Chaim Shmuelavich says, he says, listen, there's a Tamua. Strange, he says. We know that the Jewish people have built into them the ability to be Messiris Nefesh, to give themselves over to death for the sake of God. Where do we see that? We know that Avraham Avinu, our father, went into the Kibshan Eish. We know that Yitzchak, his son, was willing to die on the altar for the sake of God, because God said so. So why all of a sudden we see that none of the Jewish people want to go forward into the Yom? That's the situation. They're coming from behind. God's telling them to go forward, to so go forward. What's the problem? So Chaim Shmuel Levitch says a beautiful Kiddush. He says like this, a beautiful new idea. He says, it's true. If the whole point was that they were supposed to go into the Yam, they were supposed to go in, and they were supposed to give over their souls, then it's true. That, that, they could, that they could have done. But he was really asking something else. God was asking something else. <laughs> Hashem was asking them, go into the Yam and you're going to be saved. They had a hard time with that. <laughs> jump in in order to live. That's <laughs> It's different. To jump in, and they know they're going to die. Okay, they're going to die. But to, to, what's going on here? Very strange. We're supposed to go into the yam, and we're going to live? It's, it's, it's things that, all of a sudden, the, the, the Teva is going to change, and nature is going to change? And we're supposed to think like the, the, the sea is like dry land? 
To get to this Madrega, this was a higher level. Only Naksha ben Amidav, he is the only one that had that level. He's the one who went forward. And he was he brought out God's name by doing this, by having that faith. What, now the question is, what is this character that he had? What is the what emotions did he have in order to be able to do this act? So he wants to explain. There's a pasuk that says here. I have the pasuk quoted here. Go out and call to the ears of Jerusalem, saying so, that I, the Lord, shall remember the loving kindness of your youth, the love of your nuptials. You followed me to the desert, a land not sown. So the Jewish people, when they went into the desert, they went in without even realizing it was a desert. This is what Chaim Shmuel Lovitch says. I mean, that's Chazal. So he explains. They didn't feel at all that it was a desert. We're talking about people, women, children. All of them, all the Jewish people went into the desert and they didn't think twice about it. They only thought about God. They didn't think about food, water, shelter. They didn't think about anything. They didn't pay any attention to what was going on around them. Mashal, this is the famous Mashal, the Tinuk and like a baby in his mother's arms. A baby in his mother's arms doesn't realize where he is. He's just wherever he goes, he's in his mother's arms. This is what the Jewish people felt when they went into the desert. They followed God into the desert to leave Mitzrayim. So they're saying this is the type of a mood, this is the type of faith that a person has to have. Even though there's all kinds of things going on around him, is to feel like he's a baby in his mother's arms. And he brings, listen to this proof. There's a Gemara in Shabbos that says like this. We know on Shabbos, there's the 49 Malachas, that on Shabbos you're not allowed to do work. But it's not just regular work. It's the work that they did in the time of the Mishkan, when they built the tabernacle. All the work, the types of work that they use to build the tabernacle, that work you're not allowed to do on Shabbos. So one of them is to destroy things, to dissemble. They dissembled the tent and they moved it. So it says, When you dissemble, dissemble something, the only, the only way that you're, that you're chayev, that you're, that you're over the law of Shabbos, that you went over a negative prohibition of Shabbos, that's only if you have a mind to rebuild it in the same spot. So the Gemara asks, wait a second, they took it apart to move it, to go to a different place. It's a different spot. So how can it be that they're over for Shabbos? The answer is no. Because they only went, because what do you mean they went to a different place? They went to a different place because Hashem said, okay, now everybody has to move. And since they went to a different place that Hashem said that they had to go, it's like they didn't move. Tremendous <laughs> chiddush. I mean, you have to deal with the Gemara, but that's what the Gemara says. It's like they built it in the same place. Since Hashem, when they took it apart and they moved it from place to place to the place that Hashem said to go, it's like they built it in the same place. It's the same thing like a tinuk, like a, a baby in his mother's arms. A baby doesn't know where he is. It doesn't matter where he is. No matter where he is, he is always in his mother's arms. And this is the quality of faith 
that the Jewish people had when they went into the Yam, when they went into the, the ocean. They know it's going to be. Chaim Shmuel Levitch says they didn't, they didn't, they weren't commanded to kill themselves. They were commanded to live, to walk into the ocean and live. And they, and they went in with such tremendous faith that the ocean split for them. Now, the famous Beis Alevi, but this is in a different portion. The Beis Alevi comes from uh, Parshas Bereshis, but he explains their Kriyas Yamsuf. He says, the Jews attained the first level of fear when they were in Egypt, but at the Red Sea, they were propelled by tangible evidence, and they reached the second level, which in the future, the Jewish people will, that level, when the Mashiach comes, will also reach that level. The water hardened beneath their feet, and they formed an arch over their heads, and there was walls and sides, like the Avastin of says. They glimpsed Hashem's relationship with the creation itself, firsthand. Because it says, until... God split the Red Sea. There really was no fear of Hashem. They didn't have fear of Hashem. It was only when they're splitting in the Red Sea that they got the real fear of God. So it says like this. Once a person realizes that any other potential threat has no ability to exist, because why? Because God's creating everything. So he's not afraid of anything else. For Hashem is constantly bringing it to being. Walking through the sea is no more frightening than walking on land. Once you realize that God is the one controlling everything, so what's the difference where you go? You're like the baby in your mother's arms. Even if he's threatened by a harmful beast, he doesn't have any fear, for they have no intrinsic power, for they are also created anew at every moment. And this is why it says a beautiful thing. In the days of the Mashiach, those, the, the fear is going to disappear. All fears except for the fear of God that exist in the time of the Mashiach. Like the verse says, the wolf will live with the sheep. It's a verse in Yeshiao. Everyone understood that verse. What does it mean? It means the sheep will not be afraid of the wolf. Why the sheep won't be afraid? Because everybody's going to be afraid of Hashem. Because Hashem, God is going to be revealed. So everybody's going to be understand that they're being created by their Creator. So what does it mean? Hashem said... Tell the Jewish people they should go forward with no fear in their hearts. And because they did so, they were worthy of seeing the sea split, which enabled them to perceive clearly this dimension of Hashem's relationship with the world and fix firmly this mode of fear in their hearts. Like the verse says, do not fear, do not fear anything else. Stand and see the salvation of God. It's unbelievable. What the Jews saw at Kriyas Yamsuf, they saw that the world is totally digital. Hashem's creating the entire creation at every moment. Hashem is the one controlling everything. He's the one making the creation. There's no difference between the dry land and the wet sea. No difference. And this is like what I spoke about last week, in last week's Parsha. It said, Hashem told Moses to offer the Korban Pesach. So Moses couldn't understand. How are we going to check the lamb in front of the midstream? This is their God. How are we going to, we're going to sacrifice this lamb and we're going to, in front of them? How's it going to be? So Hashem said to him, by your life, you shall now will not depart from Egypt until they sacrifice this pagan deity before their very eyes. Also, they had to realize that only Hashem was the one controlling everything. But that led, you see, that led to the real 
The point really is, is that faith leads to belief. If a person has faith and he goes forward, then he'll have actual belief because he'll perceive it with his own eyes. The Jewish people perceived it with their own eyes. Now, you got to hear this. This is great. We know on the first night of Pesach, so they had faith. And on the seventh day, which was the Yom, they perceived Hashem. They saw that they saw with their own eyes that God ruled over the ocean, that God could take the ocean and make it into dry land. But at the and the first night of Pesach, like when they left, then they also had faith, but they didn't have the true fear of God. And it also corresponds. These seven days, now there were seven days. There were seven days from the first night of Pesach until the, the splitting of the sea. What does that correspond to? Also the seven days of creation. Just as I created the world and told Yisrael to remember the Shabbos and the remember the creation, the creation was created on the first day, and on the seventh day God rested. So too they should remember the miracles that I performed for them in Egypt. And he says, corresponding to the seven days between the redemption and splitting of the seas were the seven days of creation and the Shabbos. It's unbelievable. Because Shabbos is also a time of realizing that God is the master of the universe. That's we stop working. We stop doing everything. And we just let God do his thing. And we sing before God. And that's exactly what happened at Kriyas Yamsuf. We sang before God. Az Yishir Moshe. And this is what the Sva Samas says. Sva Samas says, Hashem's presence in the world revealed to all observers. The Bnei Yisrael saw the intervention of human affairs. And they would say, Shira. For the, for, the, for the moment, at least, the Hester was gone. The Hester was completely gone. The Jews at Kriyas Yamsuf saw God with their own eyes. They pointed, they pointed, that God doesn't have a body, obviously. But it's like they pointed to God and they saw him. This is what happened at Kriyas Yamsuf. Now look at this. When Moses and the Jewish people sang, expressing the recognition that all of existence comes from Hashem, they evoked a similar reaction throughout the creation. The whole cosmos recognized it, that, it that, that, that they also exist only because of Hashem, and that Hashem, God, gives life to the entire universe every single day, and the entire universe started to sing. When the Jewish people started to sing at the Yom, he says the entire, Jewish, the entire universe also started to sing. And, and, and if that's true, and from then they've, they've continued to sing, so why don't we hear it? Is we're not tuned into it. But you got to hear this. This is unbelievable. So too, really, on Shabbos, that's why we sing Shabbos songs. Because Shabbos is a time where we realize there's a master of the universe. Because we don't do any work. We don't do anything. We're not allowed to drive. We're not allowed to turn on electricity. We, we, we can go for walks. We can, we can enjoy ourselves. Because we recognize that Hashem rested on that day. Which rested the Barafucha. Thing in its opposite. Hashem created the creation during the seven days. And on the, 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 the seventh day, He rested. But if we sing songs, you got to hear this. He says... If we sing songs on Shabbos, we can extend the Shabbos into the week, which means the same kind of idea what we said before. Just like you have the level of faith that didn't lead to belief. It was only after the, the seventh day 
when the Jews actually were at the splitting of the Red Sea, that they got to the level of faith, to the level of belief, so too on Shabbos, you can take that Shabbos and extend it into the week. It's really working the opposite. But the Shabbos is a time of belief, and you can extend it by singing on Shabbos. You could extend it into the rest of the week, where you may not only have faith and you don't have really belief, but you can strengthen yourself. And that's what it means. He wants to say if the Kedusha, if the holiness of Shabbos, we know that if the Jews would just keep one Shabbos, if all the Jews would keep one Shabbos, the Messiah would come. That's what Chazal tells us. And this is what he says what it means. In other words, if the Shabbos, the, the Kedusha, the holiness of Shabbos would extend beyond Shabbos, so then the Messiah would come. And this is the question of faith. Now, practically, how does this, how does this whole thing work? I'll leave you out of here. This is, I think this is Ramosha Feinstein. Ramosha Feinstein says, just like the verse said we said earlier, Hashem said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Go speak to the children of Israel. Let them go forward. And we explained that that meant that they should have had faith. They came to the Yam. They came to the sea. There was nowhere to go. And they, if they had faith, the sea would have split. Eventually, they did have faith. And they went forward. And the sea split. And the base Levi explained that when the sea split, they saw God creating the creation. They saw the world being digital. Not analog. Digital. Every second. The world's being created every second. You're being created. The planets are being created. Hashem is creating the creation at every moment. And they saw it. They saw that. And the way they got to that level, the whole Kiddush of the first half, where we saw all the different Mephorshim explained, the way that they got to that level was the, was the faith that they had to go forward. The way it works is God, we saw the Chazal that said, God put the strength... God put in man's hands that if man goes forward, then God will help him. If man doesn't go forward and man doesn't have faith, so God's not going to help him. No. But if man himself goes forward, then God will do miracles for him in situations where he couldn't believe that he'd be able to do such a thing. And this is what Moshe Feinstein says. He says, therefore, anyone who's capable of teaching Torah is required to do so. Because why? Because just as Moses knew Hashem would rescue the Jews from the Egyptians' army, pressing them against the sea, also a Torah educator must know that since Hashem promised that the Torah will not be forgotten by the Jewish people, so for sure his efforts will not fail. This also applies to any mitzvah, any good deed that a person feels and understands that this is the right thing for him to do, he should not give up. He should not feel that he doesn't have enough money, that he has all kinds of excuses. I can't do this and I can't do that. It's just there is a test. That was the test of Kriyas Yamsuv. If a person goes forward, Hashem will open up the Yam, the, the ocean in front of him. If you go forward, Hashem will help you. And this is the faith. This is what we learned at Kriyas Yamsuf, this is the lesson that we learn from Kriyas Yamsuf. That when things are difficult, if we go forward, Hashem will help us. And if we don't go forward, fine. <laughs> you don't go forward. Hashem gives you situation. God gives you situation. If you go forward, God helps you. If you give up, so God helps you give up. So He doesn't help you give up. You don't do anything. So you don't go forward. But if you would go forward, 
So then God would help you. It's a very scary situation. Why is it so scary? It's scary because you think that why you failed was really just because you gave up. <laughs> Not because you were lacking the capabilities. And really, maybe you were like lacking the capabilities. But if you would have gone forward, God would have given you extra strength to go forward. God would have helped you and gave you extra super capabilities. Because there's, there's tremendous potential inside of every human being. We don't know how much potential we have. Tremendous potential. We just get stuck by our own belief systems. But if we have the faith to go forward, God will help us more and he'll give us more faith. If you have experience, success breeds success. If you go forward, you're successful on a small thing which you thought you couldn't do, and then you say, well, I could do that. So then the next level, then you'll go further and further. You'll be able to get more and more success. Okay, that's it on the Parsha. Here's a powerful parable. Open your mind and help you reach your potential. The verse said, Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of Hashem and He will perform for you this day. The verse right before what we said. So he says, One time a wealthy man had an only daughter and he was looking for this perfect guy for his daughter. And he found the guy. But he was really a very poor guy. But he was a very good guy. He was what they were looking for. So everyone praised this this father-in-law, they told him, listen, this guy is very rich. He has all kinds of things. He's got this wonderful collection of dishes that have precious gems in them. He has all these things. So the boy decided, fine. They were happy with him, and he was happy with them, and he's going to marry now his daughter. So at the engagement party, the father-in-law took out all these fancy dishes. So the chassin, he wasn't, such, he wasn't so used to such good food. The food was unbelievable. So he's eating all the good food. He didn't even notice at all the elegant dishes at all. He was so busy eating. Sometimes later, a couple months go by. The uh, chassin says, you know, I heard, I heard that you have this beautiful collection of dishes. I would like to see it. So the rich man was stunned. He says, what do you mean? Didn't you see it at, at, at your engagement party? We brought out all the dishes, the beautiful dishes with gems in them. He didn't even notice the dishes. He was embarrassed that he didn't notice the dishes all as he was so busy eating. So that was the mashal. That was the parable. What's the nimshal? What is it comparable to? It says the Jewish people were so subdued by the suffering that they had from the Egyptians for so many years. They were so terrified at the yam when, when, when uh, the Egyptians were running after them. They were so terrified that they didn't pay any attention that Hashem was saving them. Like the verse says, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of Hashem, which He will perform you this day. In other words, don't be distracted. Look and observe the great miracle that a God is going to do for you. With the Jewish people, <laughs> they were so scared of the Egyptians, they weren't realized that the God was doing a miracle for them. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. Rav Shach was the Gadol of the last generation, the greatest rabbi of the generation before. So during the Gulf War, there were many missiles that fell uh, around, the, around B'nai Brak, where Rav Shach lived. So one time, Rav Shach was giving a, a lecture to the entire yeshiva, and he was teaching Talmud, and in his teachings, he had a tremendous idea that he said to them, he was so excited, he said to them, he said, this is, this is the foundation of what I'm saying here. This, isn't have, this even has the power 
to push a missile into the sea, fine. At the end of the lecture, this is a true story. At the end of the lecture, all of a sudden the air raid, air raid sirens go off. All the students run into the bomb shelters. Rav Shach was too tired. He stayed upstairs. He didn't go downstairs. And then they all came back when the, the, the air raid cleared. They came back and they all prayed the evening prayers tomorrow. And then everybody went home. So when Rav Shach got home, he asked his family, by the way, do you know where the missile fell? They said, yeah, it fell into the sea. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. Rav Moshe Aaron speaks about peace in your home, and he speaks about maintaining ties to B'nai Torah. It's very important, even if a person is not so religious, to be connected with religious people. And he says that's the thing that can change a Jewish house around. The Chazanish said, he brings the Chazanish, Today's yeshivas are the wilderness to which we flee. The Rambam said, if the whole world is evil, the Jews should flee to the world wilderness and live over there and just not be involved in the world. Today, the yeshivas are the wilderness which the Jews flee. We have to run to the yeshivas. So Rav Hutner said, the Torah mentions, in the Torah itself, there's two structures. There's the Mishkan, this was the tabernacle that the Jews built in the desert, and the Teva. That was the ark that Noah built. The Mishkah served, when do we have the Mishkan? When everything was good. When the Jews were not being persecuted. There wasn't all kinds of craziness in the world. So then we had the Mishkan. We could serve God with the Mishkan. But the Teva was when the flood raged outside. There was a tremendous flood. And therefore, everybody had to run inside of the Teva. So he says the yeshivas are like the Teva of Noah. When there's a flood outside, when the influence is too great to stay holy, to stay kadosh, and it's too difficult for us, we have to run to the yeshiva. So therefore, if you have a person who needs to go to work because he can't make it in the yeshiva, so he has to go to work because he has a big family, he doesn't have any other form of support. So therefore... What he has to do, he has to make sure he takes, keeps connection to yeshivas. It's been proven many times that the connection with Torah in Shirim and Chavusas turn the house into a entirely different place. Women, make sure your husband sit and learn. Make sure you have a connection to the Torah. If you don't have a connection to the Torah, you're going to go down. The level's going to go down. Even a person who sat in yeshiva for years, even a scholar, if he goes to work and he has to keep connection with Torah, his spiritual level is going to go down. He brings a beautiful proof. You've got to hear this. There's a famous story of Yossi uh, Meshaisa. What happened with him? The Romans were scared to go inside the base of Megdash. When they destroyed the base of Megdash, the temple, the Romans were too scared to go inside. So what happened? They convinced him, you go inside. You're a Jew. He was Jewish. You go in. You, he, he wasn't scared. He went inside. And, and he, he brought out the uh, uh, menorah, and they said to him, listen, this is not for you. You have to go back inside a second time and bring out something else. So there, he refused to go back inside to the temple, and he died, Kiddush Hashem. They killed him just because he refused to go in. So the Panovich arrived. They asked, wait, wait a second. This guy was such a bad guy that he was willing to go in and help the Romans steal the kalim from the base of Migdash. 
all the vessels from the gold and the silver out of the base Medrash, because the Romans were scared. He was a Jewish guy who was willing to go inside and take all the stuff and bring it outside the temple and give it to them. Oh, he also got a piece of the action, but he was willing to do it. So what happened all of a sudden with this guy? They say he died Kiddush Hashem. He sacrificed his life for the sake of God. The answer is because he went in the first time. And since he went in the first time, the influence was so great inside of the temple, he realized when he came out, what am I doing? He, he, got, a, he got a spark of holiness. He realized that, that I'm doing the wrong thing. And he was willing to die Kiddush Hashem. He was willing to sacrifice his life to not go back in. So even a few minutes in the base of Migdash altered his personality. This is what the Panavacharov says. So too the same thing. You have to keep connection with religious people. If you're not religious, you have to be connected with religious people because they're going to influence you. So he says also, he brings a riot from Shmuel from Shaul. It said Shaul, one time, he removed his royal clothing and went among the prophets. What happened? He himself started to become a prophet. He started to prophesize. It's like the Chazal says that if you go into a perfume, if you go into a perfume shop, even for a couple minutes, you come out smelling good. You go into a tannery, you come out smelling bad. There is a thing called influence. A person has to be very careful how he's influenced. Therefore, a person has to fix a fixed time. Every Jew has to fix time to sit and learn Torah. If you don't sit and learn, you're not going to be influenced. He told a story one time there was a milkman, a Jewish milkman. He said he took this job just because he knew in this neighborhood, because he knew he was going to deliver milk to the yeshivas. And since he's going to deliver the milk to the yeshivas, he's going to be influenced by the yeshiva. That's why he took that job. And the Torah itself, the Ashlik wrote, the Torah itself can protect the person from all the impurities of this world. Because what happens once a person does Bittu Torah, we know that if a person is suffering, he doesn't know why. So he says that he has to think that it's Bittu Torah, that he wasted time. He had time where he could have sat and learned, and he didn't learn. But it's not exactly like that. It's like the Torah protected him and since the Torah protected him, if you took away the Torah, he starts to get punished for all of his other sins. In other words, what does it mean that if a person sees that bad things are happening to him, that he has to think that it's Bidot Torah? It's not the Bidot Torah itself, Enochinamik. It's also true that the Bidot Torah itself is a very big area, wasting time where you could have grown spiritually. You could have influenced yourself. You could have uplifted yourself and you wasted your time. That is a very big sin. But it's more than that. The fact that you didn't uplift yourself during that time is going to bring all your other sins to the foreground also. And he brings a muscle like this. He says, one time the king had a court musician and gave tremendous pleasure to him. But people informed this king that, hey, wait a second. This musician, he did adultery. He robbed. He murdered. He spoke against the king. But the king said, listen, anybody who touches this musician... He's going to get killed. Don't touch him. So what happened? One time, the musician got in a fight with somebody, and the guy drew a sword on the guy and cut the musician's right hand off. After that, the musician couldn't play music. So what happened? When the musician shut up, the king killed the musician because really the, king, really the guy deserved to die. It's true. But as long as he was able to play music and give pleasure to the king, so the king left him alone. Also... If a Jewish, if a person sits and learns Torah, so Hashem says, listen, leave him alone. It's true, he has all kinds of sins, all kinds of bad things, but I get so much pleasure from him learning Torah that he's trying, he wants to grow, he wants to uplift himself. I get pleasure from that. 
So he lets him live. All of a sudden, he, he pushes off to the side. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.